Similarly, from a money perspective, if you always view money as a negative thing, money is evil or like money is a root of like all the bad things that happen to me. If you always have that, then you will always be controlled by money. Stories have the power to teach, inspire people, and connect communities. We want to dive into the lives of everyday Malaysians around the world and be the platform to share their stories, no matter how mundane or exciting, controversial or intriguing. Do you have one to tell? We're your hosts, Sean, Hen, and Yvonne, and this is the Malaysians Abroad Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Yvonne, and I have a question for you. Have you ever felt like your identity is strongly tied to your financial worth? Well, I know I have. So today, we'll be speaking to Michelle Chin on building healthy relationships with our money. Michelle is the creator of Her Do It, a personal finance podcast and social media page on Instagram that aims to empower women to feel good about money. She tells us about her journey into personal finance and shares what a good relationship with money looks like and how to set healthy financial goals. Also, did you know that our personal life experiences and time on social media can impact how we perceive wealth? All of that and more in this episode. Let's begin. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Malaysians Abroad podcast. So to start us off, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us where you're currently based. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle. I run a podcast slash social media page called Her Do It. And it's a personal finance page targeted towards women. I'm currently based in Malaysia, but I've lived in a few countries and worked there. So I studied in the UK. So I was in London for a couple of years. And then after that, when I came back, I got a job in Singapore. So I was there for a bit as well. And then when I was working in Singapore, um, I was posted to Seoul for work. So I've also lived in Seoul for a bit. Yeah. And we'd love to dive into that a little bit deeper later but first we're going to start off with a few personal finance related rapid fires so how this is going to go is Hannah and I will just alternate and take turns asking you a few questions and you're just gonna choose between like two choices or give us your quick opinion all right I'll try my best ready yes let's go (laughs) I'll start first so the first question we have for you is would you rather spend 10 ringgit on a scratch lottery ticket or on a bad cup of coffee? Man, I would go for a coffee. I'm not a big gambling person. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay, next. Would you rather travel with 100 ringgit or only be able to stay home with 1,000 ringgit? I would travel with 100 ringgit. I'm a wild soul. Ooh, dangerous. Daring, daring. <laughs> but not for the lottery. <laughs> no, not, not lottery-wise. Okay. All right. And the next question is, would you rather be in credit card debt or live paycheck to paycheck? Oh, paycheck to paycheck. I, I don't like credit card debt at all. So, yeah. Mm. All right. Hustle hard and be a part of the FIRE movement, so financial independence, retiree movement, or take it easier and retire at 65? Is there an in-between? <laughs> no, um, I mean, okay, okay. Out of, out of the two, uh, I'll, I'll pick the latter. I'll pick, like, oh. chill and retire later. Alright, almost at the end now. 
So what is one side hustle that you've been meaning to get into? Oh my, that's a hard one. I, I have a dream to be a digital nomad. So I, oh. I've always enjoyed writing, um, mm-hmm. but I've never really turned it into anything um, concrete. So perhaps that... Because I know I can if I want to. I just mm. have not done it yet. Yeah. So maybe one day. Yeah. For our listeners, a, a digital nomad is kind of like a person who travels around the world and just works from their computer. Um, but yeah, that would be yeah. fun. Yeah, that would be the dream, man. I mean, yeah. I can definitely see you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe when I'm like 35 or something, then I can look into digital nomading. Who knows what trends are going to be around by then, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Technically, you can digital nomad from home now. But yeah. that's not so nomadic. So, not so fun. Not as fun as being a nomad. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, last question. Worst investment you have ever made? Worst investment? I, I always th- talk about this one. So, like two years ago, I bought this stock it, on Bursa because it was really cheap and it was recommended by like a supposed investment guru and he's very famous. And because it was so cheap, like I bought like 15,000 units. It was really, really cheap, so it's not a lot of money. But today, like the value has gone down by 70%. Not like I've lost a lot of money, but it's a terrible investment. Yeah, it's a terrible investment. So I know that, you know, I we always say don't follow people's recommendations. Um, but it's never easy to do in real life. It's easy to say. So I think from like one yeah, mistake, I know sure. never to follow any advice ever again. Other than like, you know, doing my own research. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering all of our questions. That was fun. Anyway, for our listeners, today's episode will be themed about money. And the reason why we invited Michelle is because, you know, she runs a personal finance account on Instagram um, called Her Do It. So for our listeners, Michelle, could you give a brief explanation about what Her Do It is and what Her Do It aims to do? Why did you even start Her Do It? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take the last question first. So I started Her Do It in October 2020 during the pandemic and that's because of a few reasons one from a personal side of things I was a little bored during the pandemic and you know I had my full-time job and it was before I started my startup so I wanted to do something meaningful and I've always wanted to create something that was meaningful and along um, the lines of like women empowerment because that means a lot to me mm-hmm. and one day when I got to go back to the office for one day in the year I was having lunch with my colleagues and we were talking about investing because in during the pandemic, everyone was at home. And for those who were fortunate to keep their jobs and not have pay cuts, um, I think a lot of the people found themselves in a situation where they had a lot of extra cash. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were looking into investing and a lot of the maybe um, like fintech companies were booming back then and a lot of people were talking about them. So we were talking about investing I guess that's a common topic back then. And <laughs> my, my female colleagues, I realized that my female colleagues and my male colleagues have very different approaches to investing. And the male mm-hmm. colleagues typically are very bold in sharing what they do and whether they made any mistakes when they were investing. But the females usually take a back seat and they just listen and they say, okay, I, I always wanted to try, but I just don't know where to start. And it's always mm-hmm. just that. And I then realized that there is a gap and perhaps I can look into creating something that solves that gap. But in a very simplistic way, I think a lot of, there's no lack of personal finance 
knowledge, education, information out there. If you Google anything, you'll be able to find it. But why is it that when there is so much information, people are still not doing the supposed right thing, right? Quote, unquote. So I realized that it's because a lot of this information is created by men and it's created by large financial institutions whereby they don't really care to explain things in simple terms. And for them, the more complicated it sounds, the better it is because then no one understands what it is about. So Mm. I decided Mm. to create something that I can understand easily and then I can Mm. share what I understand in a simple way to like the mess. Because for me, mm-hmm. like majority people, majority of the people are mess. Like we are just the regular yeah. people. We're not people who are going to invest all our life savings in NFTs or like yeah. cryptocurrency, yeah. for example. That's just a very small percentage of people. But they're also the loudest people on social media. So it's hard. Because then you see your friends saying that they invest in this and that and then they make like thousands of percent yeah. in returns. But it's not the reality of the situation. So for mm-hmm. me, her do it is about simple steps that you can take to take control of your money, like feel confident about it and feel safe that your money is not going to be zero tomorrow when you invest in a certain thing. So that's the concept mm-hmm. behind why I created her do it. Love that. Love that it's like all about women empowerment. And it sounds like you also are drawing from your own experiences, like personally mm-hmm. dealing with like finance and how you manage your own money, right? Um, and like what you said, we really love the fact that like her do it is based on not just typical investing tips, but or how to make more money, right? But it's also about mm-hmm. how money interacts with uh, an individual's behavior, identity, and more. We really love the, your one of your recent posts. I think it was like a few weeks ago. We were talking about mm-hmm. how your identity yep. isn't based on your financial worth. Um, but how did your personal journey with um, finance start or personal finance start for me I've been brought up by parents that are very not not to say very conscious about money but they were very good at teaching me about money so I've never mm. really been in a situation whereby for example I speak to when I was running the podcast I speak to a lot of people and I think a lot of trauma that people have when it comes to money stems from their family's background and Mm -hmm. that's a lot more than we know and I think it's more common than we expect to be so for example their dad or their uncles or you know males in their family gamble and they lose a lot of money and then their moms Mm -hmm. or their grandparents have to bail them out for example that is super common and it's always the same story whereby the man is the one who gambles but understandably they have a lot of pressure and they want to Mm -hmm. make enough money to support their families and then you know people who have never lived in a house that they've owned before like they've always Mm -hmm. been nomadic not by choice right like they Mm -hmm. have to rent a small house like their whole family lives in the same house and they have to move every time because their family can't afford to buy a house so I think I've never had that experience I've only had good ones because my my parents knew how to look after their money and since young my mom um, trained me to be good at managing my money so she used to give me my allowance right so like every day she gives me like let's say two bucks in, in primary school which was enough back then and then when I was older and was in college she gives me like let's say a fixed amount for a month but that fixed amount is not it for example if I buy books or I buy things that are mm-hmm. good for me I can claim the money back from my mom, which means that what she gave me um, is is for 
the use of other things. So for instance, I buy books and I spend a hundred bucks on books. I can take the receipt back and then I can give it to my mom. But I have to write down like, you know, what I've spent on and how much was it. And then she'll give me back the cash. Wow. So I've been, I've been like brought up yeah, that way. It's, it's like she's like the HR, HR admin at home kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting your reimbursement from the HR. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting reimbursements. Um, and she's just like you know, since we were born back then, there's this Maybank like kid account thing, right? Like you have mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. little lion thing. So every year, like when we get our angpao like for Chinese New Year, she will give us our bank book and like we'll count the money together, and then like she'll show us, you know, she's put the money in the bank. And then the money has increased. And then she will actually top up as well. Like she will add um, oh. like double the amount into our um, bank accounts. Like me and my brother. And then after that, you know, she, she lets us decide like what we want to do after we graduate. So I've been brought up that way. So I think naturally it becomes easier for me to be savvy from a personal finance standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand for a lot of people, it's not the same. So I thought it's good to share it and learn it as early as possible so that, you know, you don't make the mistakes that will cause you um, bad consequences for the rest of your lives. Yeah. That's a really cool story. I love how your mom did that. And that you also recognize that you came from, like, a, pos- a position of privilege to be able to go through mm. that. Um, but also the fact that as a child, you learn how to spend your money wisely because I feel like even if for some kids who have that experience, they might have been yep. like, oh, I got money, I'm rich, so I can go simply spend it. And they never learn how to properly manage their money. Right? Yep. And I was exactly that kid. <laughs> I get allowance for the day. I'm like, okay, I got 10 ringgit today. I spend five on food and the other five in the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, that's most of my friends as well. So I guess my mom kind of nailed it in me since young to not spend all my money that Mm. way, yeah. Alright, so going back to you mentioning that you've been in multiple countries over the course of your life, and we've understand that, you know, you mentioned that you spent some time in the UK, in Singapore, in Seoul. Did that living abroad experience alter how you viewed money in any way? And if so, like, could you share with us, like, how... I don't think it particularly changed the way I looked at money, but it definitely changed the way how I spent when I was abroad. I think when you're abroad for not a really long period of time, like you know that you're only there for a short period of time, you're probably going to be a little bit more careless or carefree with your spending. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the good thing was that the currency is bigger and stronger than what we have in Malaysia. So regardless of how much I, I spend, I've always had enough to save. But at the same time, I did spend quite a bit because I was abroad, right? And I was not there for, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't planning forever. to be there forever. So mm. I think it's about balancing. I think knowing that, you know, you're not here to work and spend all the money you make and that you know yeah. somehow you still need to be able to save and invest I think it's the awareness of balance that's important mm. do you feel like the people there in those um, foreign countries like your, the people you surround yourself with did they have a better understanding of finance versus your experience when you were back in Malaysia like you said in 2020 when you first started this do you see the difference there 
Oh, you know, I don't think there were a lot of conversations around personal finance to begin with, especially like, you know, when I was in my mm. early 20s, it's very rare that people talk about money. I think if anything, the common conversations that you you guys probably have with your friends is when you sit down and be like, oh man, like, you know, I need to save money or like, oh man, like mm. I spent so much money here, like I need yeah. to save more money. So it's not so much of, oh, like where should we be investing or where should we be saving money, but more of like, oh man, feeling broke now. So I think the the level of awareness from a personal finance perspective is very low. Um, yeah, I don't think necessarily due to knowledge, like not enough knowledge, but it's just not a common topic, right? And that's, yeah, that, that kind of um, brings us back to why I also started Her Do It. Because yeah. it shouldn't be a topic that is sensitive to talk about or it shouldn't be a topic that you don't even want to bring up in the first place, especially if you are benefiting from something I think it's good to share because in personal finance, it's not that if I gain, you will lose. It's mm, uh, if true. I gain, if I share with you, you will gain too. So mm. it's good to share more good things with people around you. Yes, 100%. Yeah, very true. I also think like now, kids like my brother's age, he's 17. And he's already talking about like investments. I feel like social media and Twitter especially has just changed the personal finance investment realm. Or, yeah. what do they call it? Retail investments? No. Yeah, yeah, retail investing. Like, making yeah. um, investment more accessible to everyday people. Yeah, and like, kids are getting access to that now. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it could be a good thing. I think it is, as long as they know where to get their knowledge from. I think what is dangerous here is... You know, compared to like traditional investments, like investing in the stock market, those are... Um, tested and they are proven to you know work with time and they are regulated I mean regulation mm-hmm. is always a difficult topic to talk about but like on the flip side today with the internet and with the advancements of technology right like web3 and like nfts they are mm-hmm. very very popular and a lot of people are jumping into them but yeah. I don't think people have enough knowledge um, to to really know what they are necessarily doing Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just the hype, right? And hype can be dangerous if you don't have sound foundation in these topics. So to me, it's it's always two sides. Like, fantastic. Like, a lot of people can access things very easily and then you can easily invest and make money, for example. And you can easily buy NFTs today. You don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have to be 18 um, to open, like, a crypto account or a crypto wallet, um, but mm-hmm. it's super accessible compared to mm-hmm. maybe, like, 10, 20 years ago, if you want to open an account to buy... Um, stocks you have to fill up like yeah. paper forms and like go to the bourse and like submit your application and then wait like a month for it to come back I mean if you're yeah. 18 there was no way you're gonna get yourself like paper forms True. and like fill up and drop it off at the bourse yeah. so accessibility definitely great but at the same mm-hmm. time with accessibility comes greater responsibility to know what you're doing and not be scammed because then there are more scams out there today because it's so easy yeah. yeah, very true. Yeah, and I think it's a great segue into our next question. Um, talking about social media and the internet. Um, so with social media, it's really easy for young people to feel like their status, worth, or identity is heavily tied to how much they make. Um, I know personally that was a struggle for me too when I first started my career. Mm-hmm. But have you ever struggled with this? 
And if so, how did you feel at that time? But if not, why do you think you had such a firm identity that wasn't tied to money? Yeah, I, I definitely feel a lot of people will go through this. And it's rare that people don't, right? That people feel like, mm-hmm. I don't care like what other people do. On the flip side, if you view it positively, it's a way for you to motivate yourself when you feel like you're challenged. But it has to be a healthy form of challenge, right? But mm. it can often not turn out well for a lot of people. Because they're always chasing for something mm. that is not truly what they want. It's just based on what other people have and what mm. they want other people to perceive. But honestly, most of the time, people don't really care. They only care about themselves. So I think <laughs> for me, that was how I managed to get to a point where I don't really care um, what other people think. And I think today, um, maybe during our family or like our parents' time, they can mm. measure... Um, how successful they are based on how much money they make. Because opportunities mm-hmm. back then are not the same as today. Today, you can be sitting at home and you can be like doing, you know, anything that is digital related. Like you don't even have to yeah. step out from your room to make a lot of money. For instance. Yeah, like TikTokers are making like 100k. <laughs> One video, right? Like podcasters in the US, like honestly, you just have a podcast room and they can make a lot of money as well. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, YouTubers or whatever. So, Today, there are a lot more avenues and then there are also different things that we can get that is different from our parents' time, right? Mm -hmm. Today, there's a lot more opportunities to do a lot of different things and wealth doesn't necessarily have to just come from money and, you know, having family and then like providing the best to them. People have different goals today. Not everyone wants Mm -hmm. to have a family anymore. Some people are happy to have less. Some people want to travel the world and, you know, just be alone. Um... So I think with the, that shift um, in how there are different things that you can achieve today and there are different ways to get there, hopefully that helps people be more aware of what their options are and mm-hmm. look at what is truly important to them. Um, and I yeah. think for me, that's how I see things. I, I can see my friends like, you know, consultants and then they make a lot of money and get to travel the world. But Maybe when I was 21 or like 22, that was a thing, right? Oh man, like this friend is making the most money. But then we all, we, we all came from the same place, right? We came from the same mm. university and like studied the same things and brought the same grades. So why are we in different stages of our lives? And at that point of time, all of you only have one, two years experience. So you will measure yourself based on purely yeah, how true. much money you're making. And from that money that you're making, what are you able to do? I think like fast forward like five to ten years after university, people are in very different stages of their lives and what they want is different. So for me today, uh, fun fact, I just sold my car like last week. So I have no car anymore. Um, Because I think that cars are a liability and I just, you know, not not the thing that I want. Like I can invest that money instead and be happy. But I have friends, Mm. you know, consultant friends who at this stage of their lives, have decided to buy Mercedes Benz with their money. And I just think it's not, you know, to me, it's not, I don't see the car as a status. I see it as how much money you have to spend every month to maintain something that just transport you from place A oh to place Oh my gosh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I actually like, just sold my car for the exact same reason. <laughs> insurance is so expensive. Yeah, insurance is zero expensive. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was parking my car at the roadside because I didn't have like a proper parking lot and someone just hit my car and like oh. left. But it was not a major problem. 
it was not a major dent, which was good. But I spent like two thousand ringgit to get that fixed, and just realized that you know cars are lots of maintenance, and especially today where it's just so much more easy to get around, and you don't really have to go to the office every single day like in the past. So I just felt that it's not necessary to have a car anymore. So I think you know all these things combined it's made me feel that there's nothing that's particularly important for me to tie like my status or like my worth to. Um, and I think that also comes with maturity. So I think there are a lot of factors that, mm. that brings us to that. But the earlier you are aware and expose yourself to different things, like hear different people, how they manage their money, how they live their life, I think that gives you a good perspective of how you can then decide how you want to manage your money, your life, how you want to think about your status, your worth, your identity. Yeah, I yeah. love that. That is so true. I feel like the people you interact with have such a big influence with how you view your relationship with money also like if you are around a lot of like investing people then you automatically will tend to have that tendency to want to be like them too yes so i i was also just curious like what do you exactly value now if not putting your own self-worth on money for me the reason why i went into like startup is because i i just want to build something that solves problems for people Mm-hmm. Um and, and something that's meaningful. And I think then that comes with two parts, right? For me, the combination of Herduit and and my my startup called Oyen, they they help me achieve different things. I honestly never want to turn Herduit into a business because of a few factors. I think it's no problem to turn Herduit into a business and into a profitable business. I don't think that's really difficult because it's really solving a gap that exists not only in Malaysia but many parts of the world especially like from an Asian community standpoint money is even more a taboo topic although probably mm-hmm. Asian women are better at money than, than others <laughs> um, but for me if I start looking at it from a money perspective I feel that it will no longer be as genuine not that you know it will become you know, uh, not genuine or dishonest but if I have to think about paycheck or if I have to think about paying myself through a platform like this I can't be very very flexible with whatever I share and today Mm -hmm. it's just me so I can share anything I want and I can be very fast at deciding what I want to share and whether I want to take a stance on something that's important to talk about or once you have more people on board especially if you have investors you have to think about what they want and sometimes you have to be politically correct in terms of what you share but you can't just be Mm -hmm. bold and yep. sometimes like, I do things that are a bit more controversial um, and I like to have the flexibility to do that. So that's what her do it can give me, um, like sharing what I feel is important but at the same time the flexibility of doing anything I want. But that means I can't grow her do it to be a huge thing, right? Because yeah. of, no, I can't have so many people, I can't pay so many people to, to help me out with it. Um, but I'm yeah. happy with that. So that I can solve that with Oyen, right, my startup. So an opportunity for me to see how far I can bring a business and at the same time solve a problem that people really care about and people really love their pets, right? And Mm -hmm. that's something that I feel very fulfilled doing because I see every day we interact with people, um, pet owners, obviously, and the way that they care for their pets and the way that we are able to help them, I think it's very, very major. So I think these two things, like building a business, solving problems, um, and building a somewhat business, not really a business, and solving problems and helping people, 
that to me is important now. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like us as uh, podcasters ourselves, who do also touch on a lot of controversial topics, can relate to the part where, you know, you reach a point where you're like, okay, we're growing, but we know that we can't grow to this huge podcast because we do want that freedom to talk about whatever we want. But yeah. Also, funny thing you mentioned about like women being better with money. Just recently, I was visiting my boyfriend in Korea and his family, right? And he was mentioning that like his mom always pays because his dad says that in Korea, like if the man pays, they view it as like, oh, the man is actually cheating and the the girl that he's with is... The mistress. The mistress. not Because usually the, the wife handles all the financial purchases in the family. So I just That's thought it was cool. very interesting. Yeah, so like, I think many years ago, I think what they call like moms, like the, the women of the, the home, they call them the domestic CFO because they're the ones who know like the ins oh, and outs of the that. money. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, groceries, like how much are you spending on the meals, like bills and like maintenance of the house, like children's um, costs, like fees for education and tuition. We know everything. So the, they are the domestic CFO. My friend's mom also handles everything and she told me like, yeah, my dad has no idea how much he makes at all because it just goes straight into the mom's bank and she handles everything. Wow. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good to know. Earlier, you talked a little bit about balance being important. So... We were just wondering, what do you think a healthy relationship with money looks like? Oh, and I think this is something that so many people struggle with, right? Because as we've also touched on earlier, people tie the numbers in their bank account to like their own value. I think we can see it in two ways. And just now we talked about it from the perspective of it being like people who make a lot of money and then, you know, we look at them and then people are envious and... Like, you know, you see them as a higher status because they have a lot of money. But then on the flip side, have people in like a lot of debt and people have who have no idea how to manage their money. Like how how do they feel? Right. And I yeah. think for both ends, like the method here is to really detach yourself from money. Because at the end of the day, money is still a materialistic thing. It's not mm. necessarily to say that. We don't want to make a lot of money. Everyone wants to make a lot of money because money can do a lot of things. But when you can detach and really understand what it truly means to you, I think that is where you start forming a healthier relationship with your money. And instead of looking at it from a negative perspective, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle to understand. And a lot of people don't even have the opportunity to understand in the first place. So like drawing from... Um, my experiences in the past. So I do a lot of workshops for, not just workshops for organizations and companies, but also a lot of IG lives, right, with different mm. um, businesses. What I always start with and what I always recommending starting with is to talk about the psychology of money. When I talk mm. about personal finance, like sharing and workshops and all, I don't start straight away in like, oh, where we, where should you put your money um, to, to grow your money? Uh, what, what should you invest in? What should you not invest in? I spend the first 10-15 minutes going deep into the psychology of money because a lot of people don't understand that the way they behave around money, the way they use their money, spend, save, invest, is deeply rooted in their past. So it's how they were brought up and some of the experiences that they've had, good or bad, has shaped how they view money. And the thing is, 
like even from not just a money standpoint, when you just have like a negative mindset about something, you'll never be able to fully grasp or like be able to fully maximize the potential of it. So let's mm-hmm. say if you think badly about yourself, then you're going to have like bad self-esteem. Then, you know, your mental health will go downhill. Similarly, from a money perspective, if you always view money as a negative thing, money is evil or like money is the root of like all the bad things that happen to me and mm. like, you know, money causes like my family to fight. If you always have that, then you will always be controlled by money instead of you mm. controlling mm-hmm. your money. So it's that fundamental shift in believing that it's actually going to bring you good and that if you use money the right way, you can control it to bring you joy, happiness, or, or whatever you want in life. But don't tie your worth to it, but understand what it can do for you. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what's the most important here is understanding what your ultimate goal in life looks like. And your ultimate goal in life shouldn't be a number. It cannot be a, I want to make 10 million. I want to have 10 million bucks in my bank account. But what does that mean to you? Like, what does 10 million yeah. bucks mean to you in your bank account, right? It yeah. should it instead be, what can I do um, with the 10 million? Or like, what do I want to achieve? And then how much money does that need? So to you, if you value family, time, quality time with your family in life, one of your goals can be, I want to buy a nice house um, for my family and we can all live together and we can spend a lot of time together and we can travel the world. So what does that translate to in money sense like how much money does that house cost how much money would it take to maintain that house and pay for everyone on a monthly basis how often do you want to travel what type of travel do you want to do how much would that cost and then you can get the amount from there then that makes a lot more that that has a lot more meaning right then yeah with 10 million bucks i can do this more of like i want to do this and in order to do this i need to have this much money I love that. It's really that perspective shift and how much how much you choose money to have power over you. But really yeah. what you're saying is like you are the one that should be in control and not letting a monetary value define your happiness. But looking mm-hmm. outside of money, taking things like your experiences with family or what really is meaningful in your life and then only seeing, okay, how can money help me get there but not saying, like, oh, money is going to like be the end goal for me. It's those yeah. other things that are the end goal. Really exactly. love that perspective yeah. shift. Thank and you. I believe that perspective can be put into anything, right? Not just with money yeah. but just with yeah. our lifestyle yeah. habits as well. So really believing it and faking it until you are actually what you believe. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And for you to be able to come to this conclusion I mean we've talked about like your upbringing and also just your experiences with friends and all of that but for those people who maybe are still struggling with their perception of money do you have any tips for them on how they can make that shift or how they can improve their relationship with money I think for me other than people who are around me a lot of the things that I've managed to learn in the last couple of years when it comes to personal finance is really being open-minded and listening to a lot of different perspectives. Not not from your friends because I think your circle of friends are probably quite similar, right? Like they're not going to give you a lot of different perspectives of how you see money. But I listen, personally listen to a lot of different personal finance podcasts from like personal finance gurus around the world. And I mm. read um, a lot of different articles um, and, and like blog posts that they write. So I think that would be good. 
because there's only so much that you can gain from the people around you. But if you can hear from people that, you know, were not as uh, accessible in the past, right? You know, these people who are so knowledgeable from when it comes to personal finance, not just from where to invest and all these things. Well, a lot of people today talk about their emotions and the psychology of investing. I think we take the time to listen, um, have like a, like go in with a blank, like canvas, right? Like don't have a preconceived notion of like what it should be or what, who are you? What are you like? Like, what are your goals? Go in, open mind, listen, and then form a new relationship with money. I think that has worked for me in the last couple of years, especially like when all these things are becoming more and more accessible, right? Yeah. Watch a YouTube video, super easy to understand. Like, it's not like I'm asking you to read a book, right? Like 200, 300 pages. Not everyone has the time to read a book, but it's easy to watch a YouTube video or like listen to a podcast when you're commuting or you know, mm. you're doing chores or whatever and then slowly figure out what makes sense to you, who do you like and then continue to follow um, or listen to what they have to say. Not mm. follow them blindly, right? But then use that as a good reference to define what is really your goal um, in your life. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to ask actually, like, how do you tune out the noise from the actual good content that you're getting from all these different resources? That's a good one. I think particularly from a personal finance standpoint, um, every different people have different approaches. So for me, when I started, I listened to everyone. And then with time, as I formed what I wanted or, or what made sense to me, then I removed the ones that I didn't like. So I, then I stopped following the people who, like, doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> and don't listen to them. Now only listen to the people who make sense to me. Mm. Yeah, but I think that comes with awareness. Like I think with all things that you do, it's very good to be aware and ask critical questions. Um, regardless of how much you like someone, right? Like you really like this personal finance guru or like this mentor or whatever. But ask critical questions because not hundred percent of the things they say are correct to you. To, to yeah. them, it may be correct, very but true. maybe like only eighty percent of the things they say resonate with you. So then be aware and tune out the 20% and yeah. you know, find someone else who can fill in that gap of the 20% for you. I think it goes back to um, the theme of our season so far. I mean, our theme has been identity and relationships, but also this word keeps coming up, intentionality, like being intentional with mm-hmm. who you're following, what you're surrounding yourself with. And I think also aligning your values or aligning what you're doing with your values, like what you're saying, like really finding out what is important to you and then building your network or building the knowledge system based on those values. Absolutely. That's a nice theme. (laughs) I'll advocate that for like every single perspective, like every single part of your life. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're trying to do this season, which is why we're having this episode to discuss our our identity with money and our relationship with money. So thank you for sharing with us on so many different tips. And I think I personally learned a lot as well. Yeah, it was it's super, super helpful. I think for me, um, just listening to this, right? Because at the start, when we we're talking about what relationship we wanted to improve, I said money, not because I wanted to grow rich, but because I wanted to change how much value I was putting into money. Because mm-hmm. for me, I was like, I'm trying to, like I mentioned earlier, like move back to Malaysia and I'm also like raising a family. So at the start of the year, I was really stressed about my financial situation and it's not because I'm broke but because I was like oh my gosh am I gonna have enough till I was like so obsessed with counting like how much I'm spending how much I'm getting and all of that so I wanted to try and like detach myself from thinking about it so much so listening to you talk 
and about the whole shift in perspective as well like that was really it was a good reminder for me a good refresher like hey get back on track focus on what's truly important to you Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I, I think that is the number one step. And honestly, once you are able to shift that mindset, it's not like a one or zero situation, right? It's a mm-hmm. constant work in progress. So today, you know, you may be feeling great and like, you know what's going on. But then maybe like a few months from now, certain circumstances change and, you know, you kind of revert back to who you are. And that's normal because one of the people that I spoke to as well, she's like personal finance person but then she's also psychologist so Mm. it's very interesting Mm. to hear from her so she said that you can't just undo 20 years of history and trauma in like a week or like a month Mm -hmm. or a year right so you always like no matter how aware you are like there are always bits of you that will fall back to the past but that's when like the awareness or the intention comes back like if you always remember that, then you can always pull yourself back to where you want to be now and where you want to head towards in the future. And I feel that once you sort out that mindset perspective part from a personal finance perspective, everything else becomes easy. Because a lot of people struggle, right, with how do I spend money? Like how do I spend less? How do I save more? Where should I invest? But these things are not difficult really What's difficult is shifting that perspective first and everything else, I think, flows in very easily. So the tough job to do is getting started from emotions, person, uh, um, like psychology of money. That's why I love her do it so much because like, you really, really touch holistically about money. It's, it's really not just about how to make more money. So I love that. Thank you. That, that was the goal. So it's good to hear from people who, who say that. That be- that's because then I kind of achieve or, or I'm heading towards the direction that I want to go towards which is a more wholesome approach to money yeah so you have given a lot of great great tips in here already but if you were to leave our listeners with your top three tips a summarized concise version what would it be three things that I would always advocate for this is from a personal finance like you know spend safe invest perspective not so much from an emotions perspective but one is always pay yourself first right I think that's super important and number one thing so what that means is when you receive any form of income or your salary like don't just spend it like Mm. okay let's go for a nice meal because I got my paycheck today more of like how like you have to save a certain amount first or invest a certain Mm. amount and why is it called pay yourself first it's because you are paying your future self when you're saving Mm. when you're investing you're thinking about your future so Mm -hmm. you are creating a better future for yourself based on what you have today it's hard because it's something you can't see and you know we value instant gratification today Um, but it is super important to do and I think a lot of people fail to do that and that's why they are living paycheck to paycheck. So pay yourself first. Yep. To me, number one, most important thing. Number two, something that I believe in is automating your money. So that yes. ties to pay yourself first. It's, honestly, if you ask me to remember to save X amount or invest X amount a month, I will forget. Because things mm. happen and a lot of things happen in our lives. So if you automate your money, you don't have to think about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to invest yeah. like 1000 bucks in this a month. Automate it, then it happens while you're sleeping. Then you don't even have yeah. to remember to save or invest. Especially when you think about saving what you have left, which is always nothing. I really love your second point because that's exactly what I do as well. Because I'm exactly like you. Like I just don't remember to save 
on my own if I have to. So in the US, for people who are listening, there's this app called Truebill that I, I use. You just pay like a small amount every month uh, or every year, depending on like what subscription you choose. And you can actually set like what automated savings you want. Like for example, like do you want savings to go into like your vacation account? And then they set up like a separate like vacation account for you. Or like, do you want it for like emergencies, like in case your car breaks down or something like that? And yeah, so for the people in US, Truebill is great. I 100% recommend it. But for the people in Malaysia or elsewhere, do you know of any other platforms that you could potentially share? Yeah, so it's not so great in Malaysia. Like we don't have such fancy like fintech companies who do all these things. So I split my money into different places. Mm -hmm. Um, So like my emergency funds are in a like a money market fund and they are split across three different platforms. So I will go for, I I, I talk about this extensively on how to do it. Um, But yeah, always like evaluate between a fixed deposit interest rate as well as a money market fund Mm because there's a lot more returns and less penalties and less restrictions when it comes to money market. So that's where I put like my emergency funds as well as my short-term saving goals so like vacation mm. then i put it in mm. like money market funds as well because then the value won't go down but at mm. the same time also automate my investments for certain places that i can automate but for what i can't automate then i put a calendar reminder on my calendar at the time that hopefully i'm not busy so it's like 10 30 p.m at night right and i hope on a monday night so hopefully i have no plans and then I'll remember to to put my money into an investment account where I can't automate. But where I can automate, I try to automate as much as possible. So that's number two. And number three, which I think is also key key in in um like you know personal finance is avoiding credit card debt, which is what you guys asked. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, that is like the ultimate evil in in personal finance. If there is one thing that is certain in money, is that never have credit card debt. Everything else is a bit like, oh, should I invest in this? Should I save my money here? Should I put my money in FD or bank account? There's always a, okay, yes, but. But credit cards, there's no yes, but, in my opinion. Mm. It's just no. So that is number three. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Just to summarize for our listeners. So Michelle shared that you should always pay yourself first, automate your savings, and 100% avoid credit card debt. Really, really great tips. Yeah. And the biggest takeaway was also with emotions, psychology with money. Yeah. Your identity is not tied to money. Your worth isn't based on how much is in your bank account. You have control over money. And to be self-aware. Yes. And to think about it positively. Yes, think about it positively. All right. I believe we have come to the end of our podcast. So thank you so much, Michelle. It was really nice talking yeah. to you today. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. But yeah, <laughs> thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you would like more tips on personal finance, you can follow Michelle on her do it on Instagram at her.duit. Thank you for tuning in to the Malaysians Abroad podcast. Did today's episode spark something in you? Do you have a story to share? Come be our guest on a future episode. Connect with us on Instagram at Malaysians Abroad Podcast or email us at Malaysians Abroad Podcast at gmail.com. See you soon!